Oh, uh, thank you, Tom. Uh, <clears throat> I begin with one question. Mm-hmm. Where were you born? I was born in Kingsport, Tennessee. Kingsport, Tennessee. Okay. Tell me a little bit about Kingsport. Have you been to Kingsport, Tennessee? I have not. Uh, I would recommend it. Okay. Best town in Tennessee, 423. That's the area code, 37664. That's my zip code. Uh, <laughs> it's a smallish town compared to Austin. Uh, it's the big city compared to other towns in Tennessee. It's not the smallest by any means. Okay, so yeah, you've got a... a bigger city uh-huh yeah we got a walmart we got a target we got a kroger grocery store we got we got a buffalo wild wings that was a big deal when that came into town when we had the buffalo wild wings it was packed out for the first three months there was a line out the door i remember a conversation i had with a lady that lived in somewhere in texas but it was like rural texas and she was like, the whole town is excited because the Chick-fil-A is opening up this weekend. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's just, it's a big deal for them. Mm-hmm. Like, the Chick-fil-A is opening. And they're like, it's going to be busy for a good while. She's like, I remember when some other fast food chain had come. And she's like, it was like three weeks of like being in line forever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what a disconnect from what we fucking deal with in the <laughs> real world versus what you guys deal with. Well, I mean, theirs is the real world too, but you're like, it's so different. Yeah. It, and it's cool, but because you're like, you guys just don't worry about any of that. Theirs shit. is more the real world. I think there's more people living like that than there are people living in the big old city. I think, you think we're, so? I think we're living the fake life because you live in Dallas, right? Yeah. And I live in Austin. So there's, we're just, it's kind of like pretend, I think. I think cities are a big, we're pretending that this is like how the world is, but it's really not. Most people are out there living in the suburbs. They're uh, looking forward to their drive to Chick-fil-A. That's the best part of their day. And honestly, that's the best part of my day. I mean, I, f- I wish I could be like those people. What, and... simple? You want to be simple? I, I don't call it simple, though. Because, I mean, there's people from all walks of life that live in suburbia and live in these smaller mm-hmm. cities or towns that are just very happy with life because they don't deal with any of this other stuff. Or What is this other stuff? I don't know the way to explain it. Maybe if you live in a big city or you're driven by something, you're always like pursuing something, it seems like. But if you are living in a smaller city and you're happy and content with that, it's like you're comfortable with where you are. You're, you're no mm-hmm. longer just kind of like chasing something. You're, the, you're like, this is, this is good. This is what I was looking for and I've, I've achieved it. Mm-hmm. Versus where I think most of us who settling, live, they're they're big settlers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree with that. I mean, there's there's a lot of like, you know, people that find comfort. Sometimes it can be complacency, but other times it's just like they're happy. They're, they they don't think of life as just a never ending race. They're like, I did it, I won. Yeah, you know, the goal has been met. Right. Which is it's cool. which sounds great. I wish I had that. Right. See, that's what I'm saying. Like sometimes I sit there and go like. Oh man, I wish I could kind of be done and be like, "Oh, there you go, I did it." You're like, "No, but that's not the way it really works for right. most of us." Yeah, but that's you're maybe. I so I don't know. Are we real or are we the fake? Right. I think the city's got to work for like the size of city that you're going into or that you choose. There's different reasons. So like, I like Austin a lot because. It's. I think it's becoming less of this. The bigger that it grows, the bigger that the scene here grows. But 
When did you move here? I moved here about three years ago during COVID. Um, Before that, you were in Tennessee? I was in Tennessee, and then I lived in Salt Lake City for about five months during COVID. So that's where I was for the majority of like the harsh, more harsh lockdowns. Uh, Then I moved here uh, because things were open. Comedy was happening. You could perform in front of real people, which was uh, very rare at that point. And this is 2020? This is 2021. I moved here here. January 2021. Okay. Yep. So... One of the things that I really like about Austin is that, uh, like, people move to New York because they want to, like, be part of the party. New York is the party. They move to New York. They want to be part of the party. They want to attend the party. You can come to a place like Austin, cities the size of Austin, and you can throw your own party. So, like, in the sense that I throw my own parties that I run my own shows and am able to do stuff that actually can have an impact on the city versus doing, having an impact on New York is not really possible at someone, someone like me to have an impact on New York because there's so much more happening there. I I get what you're saying at New York, LA, Chicago, much older, Boston, older comedy scenes, they have mm-hmm. a, a foundation, a structure that has been kind of mm-hmm. a roadmap that's been placed there. And it's more difficult because there is, uh, I guess, a, a specific path to getting somewhere in New York or in LA. You know, you follow kind of like, this is what you're supposed to do and this is where you're supposed to headline. And then you get invited to do this. And this. whereas Austin, it's like, it's, it's the infancy. It almost feels like it just started to happen. So yeah. everybody gets to throw something at the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. And like, that's cool because it allows young comedians or young artists in general, because Austin is just, you feel creativity flowing in all direction, not just in comedy. There's a big music scene and other artistic, you know, theater and all this stuff going on. It's cool. Cause it's like, you see what I guess maybe New York was in the seventies and the eighties or LA right. was in the nineties. Yeah. And you don't have to get stabbed on the subway like you would in the in New York in the 70s and 80s. This is very true. But yeah. New York is going back to, you know, stabby again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they'll, they'll get back to their roots. Yeah, you know? maybe. I think when a city becomes too clean, it becomes different. Austin's nice because it's still got that, that dirty vibe to it. Right. Yeah, you don't want to live inside of a shopping mall. Right, exactly. You want to live inside of a city. And I think... New York kind of lost a lot of that when they cleaned it all up and turned it into like a tourist destination. Right. Was it not a tourist destination before that? No, until Giuliani came in and actually really cleaned up New York. Right. Like New York was, you know, a dirty place. People Mm -hmm. still visited it, obviously, but you wouldn't walk through Central Park at night freely. Right. Because you could probably get killed. And then they came in and cleaned all of that up, got rid of all the homeless. And I mean, they were really brutal about it. If you read about what Giuliani did, it was like, it was fucked up shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was really bad shit. But they did clean up the city. Like, you get the New York of today because of what they did. Right. And, well, before, but New York is, like, on the path back to being shitty again because they changed a bunch of laws and stuff. So, like, you know, some places in Central Park are not safe again at night. But it'll get fixed. It has to. We'll get a Giuliani Jr. going in. Yeah, probably. Somebody will. It's it's always like that. It's just like if you look at politics, we always just swing too much to one side and then 
the other extreme has to come in. And then whenever a moderate voice comes out, they're like, just shut the fuck up. We, we know what we're doing. This is the right way of fucking things up forever. Right. And it works yeah. for them. Like, because you can see it all the time. LA is going through that now. They'll fix LA again. Oh, yeah. LA is, is kind of weird to visit. It's kind of sad. It feels like uh, feels like the, the eighth season of a TV show. Where it's like, this has gone on for too long. Like, yeah. we, need to, we need to cut this. But for some reason, the producers keep pouring money into it. Keep pouring money into it, yeah. And there's less viewers than ever. It's weird, though. Like, LA has done this before. And it'll do it again, where it just kind of, like, goes through this really beautiful period and then burns itself to the ground mm. quite literally and then rebuilds again. Yeah. I think there's, like, riot after riot that's happened in LA that you can kind of pinpoint to, like, oh, okay, you're just going to repeat what you've done before. It's fun, I guess. I just don't want to be there for it anymore. Yeah. Did you live there in LA? Oh, 30 years, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I grew up in LA. So. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> I loved that place so much until COVID happened. Really? Yeah, I just made it so much worse. Yeah. You can, like, you know, as a comedian who's traveled, if you go to LA now versus LA in 2019, there's a big shift in the way that I think even that's why so many comedians left and have sought other places like mm -hmm. Austin. And I don't know, is there other scenes that you, as a comedian, have seen, like, oh, cool, this place is like blowing up now out of nowhere? Um, you know. I've heard the Denver scene is very is uh, thriving right now. I haven't been there. That's on my list to go there very soon. Um, but I do think Austin is very unique. It, it's just in its moment right now, and we'll see how long this moment lasts. But I don't think there is a place right now that's having its moment like Austin is, uh, just because it's a lot of it's a lot of new faces that are here that are thriving uh i don't think there is a better city to be in as a young comedian young being like five to two years in um because i moved here i was three years in three yeah three years in and was just able to develop very quickly which wouldn't have happened in la or new york what was it about the Austin scene that kind of allowed you to develop so much quicker than there's, you would have been in L.A. or New York? There's say. just so much stage time here. There's so much stage time. Uh, there's, uh, like you were saying, a lot less uh, comedians that are like established here compared to the older scenes, New York, Boston, what have you. So because there's less established comedians, there's a lot more uh, openings for someone like me to go in and start a show here, get on the show here, whatever. Um, it's just a lot more openings for that type of thing. Uh, you can fail a bit more here versus like if I was in New York and I, let's say I moved to New York instead of moving to Austin, then I go there and I uh, get like an opportunity and then I bomb and then I don't get that opportunity again, but here there's a lot of more opportunities. So if you bomb on one opportunity, then you got plenty more to go on. That's kind of the unique thing about Austin is like New York isn't like that. LA isn't like that, where almost all of the comedy venues are just so close to each other. Mm -hmm. Where like as a comedian, and I saw this as a fan is like, you get to catch the same person doing a different open mics. If you just happen to be walking 
through the city and go to different comedy clubs because they're doing the same thing. They're just hopping around. Mm -hmm. But it's like two minutes away from each other. They're so close. Yeah. That's unique. Mm -hmm. And you also have this like camaraderie that I saw because like just walking around outside with different comedians and you see just people coming up to each other and just like, hey, dude, I'm going to be here. You're going to do a spot there. And it's like Mm -hmm. people are getting this, uh, I don't know, a burst of energy or something where it's like you really want to create more because you're part of this group of people kind of like paving a new path Mm -hmm. is that what you get from the austin scene is that like yeah the it is uh it might be the most convenient scene to work in because they are very everything is so close together um and i live like within biking distance of it so i can uh just bike downtown and then park it and then walk to spots for the night and then bike home it's very convenient so I don't think I'd be able to do it. I definitely wouldn't be able to do that in LA. Uh, New York, it would be very hard. And then also I've heard that there's like random rooms that just pop up all over the place here too. Mm-hmm. Just random mics. And they're not really comedy uh, venues, yep. but like a, like a pizza joint does it, I, I heard. Is that true? Uh, yes, there's the Ropolos. Oh, and the, I've, I, for, I can't believe I forgot. There's Sunset Strip Comedy Club also. Oh, yeah, so right. there's the big... I said big four. Yeah. So Vulcan, Sunset, Mothership, Creek. And then, yeah, so there's the there's a mic at the Ruffalo's Pizza. Uh, there's mics everywhere. There's, yeah, just random shows. There's shows at the Cooper's Barbecue. Uh, just random places that all have comedy. And, like, for people that don't know what the Austin scene is like, it's not like they're just random comedy venues and just like office parks or something all around them is just other stuff happening like other bars and you've got tattoo shops and you've got like right just people everywhere walking around so like you may be doing an open mic to a filled room versus in other cities it might be nobody there yeah because they're just like randomly people walking in and because you're making people laugh more people want to walk in yeah that's the cool part about austin is just like they close down the streets so nobody can drive there and everybody's walking and just pandemonium. Yep. Yesterday was nuts. Uh, for Halloween? Yeah, I came in last night and Mike and I went to Sunset. Yep. And then went to Creek and then walked by Vulcan, but they were doing a private event, so we didn't go in there. But we caught some shows at uh, Creek in the Cave. That was funny. Yeah. And then Sunset was having their Halloween party. Oh, nice. That was not bad. You dress up? No. Do you dress up? No. No? Why not? Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm too old for it. You're too old? Yeah. I've seen, how old are you? 37. Oh, that sucks, dude. I've seen people every time. I do it. It's my favorite joke. Whatever age they say, that sucks. Um, I've seen 50-year-olds dress up, and then they go all out. Age is an excuse to not dress up. I know, but I've always been looking for an excuse not to dress up. Listen, I agree with you. I hate dressing up. So, like, I was just like, okay, I'm old enough now. That's it. That's my excuse. Okay. I never liked dressing up for Halloween. I liked the candy. I didn't like the dressing up part. What was one of your costumes you did? Oh, man. I don't know. I haven't dressed up since I was, like, 13, probably. So, <laughs> it's been a long time. 40 years ago was the last time you dressed up? I'm 37. I'm kind of I don't know, dude. Like, we had shitty costumes. We grew up poor, so we didn't have much. So right. It was like, whatever. Like, you know, a white sheet. Oh. But what were you? A ghost, not a Oh, Klansman. a ghost. Okay. We're immigrants, dude. We didn't know this was the clan back in the day. We were like, <laughs> you 
Casper, the friendly ghost. Right. Sure, whatever. Yeah, it's a fun little uh, windmill symbol that's on it. There you go. Yeah, Yeah, sure. It's a Tibetan good luck charm. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just like, I don't know, stupid Halloween costumes that were the thing in the day. I don't know. A kid would get like blood packs and everybody would be like a vampire or something. Yeah. Whatever. Just whatever we could do to get candy. And we always got shitty candy in our neighborhood. We didn't live in the rich neighborhood Mm -hmm. where you're getting like name brand stuff. We were getting like the off-brand candies always. Right. So you're like digging through at the end to find anything that's decent and yeah. just throw the rest of it away. Did you ever go to the rich neighborhoods for trick-or-treating? I took... No. Yeah, I was taken there a couple of times as a kid. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, oh, shit. You guys are like giving out Snickers and Hershey bars. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to your neighborhood and they'd be like, whatever the sucker candy was that came in like, you know, a 40-pound bag from yeah. the discount store. Yeah, here's a Heath bar. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Nothing against Heath, by the way, if you like it. Nothing bar. against Heath. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Don't want to get canceled by the Heath Association. No, we're fine. We're fine. I'm in their good graces. We're good. <laughs> You're good with the Heath people? I'm good with the Heath people. But it is, because there's like strategy to trick-or-treating, because you could either, if you go for the poor neighborhoods, you're going to get hit more houses because they have less land. So the houses are closer together, right? Right. So if you go for the rich neighborhoods, the houses are like a mile apart because they have so much space in between them. Yeah, but your interpretation of a rich neighborhood is different from ours in L.A. where nobody had land anyways. So um, even if you're rich, you're just it's still really stacking close. homes next to each other. Right. It's you just like got to get a leg workout going through the hills. Yeah, it's not like it was, you know, I'm sure there's gated communities here where you can't get in unless the security knows the plate mm-hmm. of the car that you're not going in those neighborhoods but let's say go one degree below that where it's just a really nice neighborhood with right. nice homes but they're everywhere mm-hmm. so that's kind of like what la is as far as you know you have really really exclusive places you can't go into and those are very spread apart but nobody's going to go there anyways right but you go like a little bit lower than them which is like upper upper middle class and you're like oh cool you guys are giving out good shit right so i don't know if tennessee was like that too where you had just a, you know communities of homes bunched together or was it just like spread out no it's pretty spread out lots of land there lots of land to develop but was halloween a big deal growing up uh yeah yeah we would do the trick-or-treating my family's always been like like just kind of like in the middle of celebrating holidays like not going all out but not avoiding them either. all holidays are kind of like uh yeah so that we would do you know christmas stuff we would do uh halloween stuff we would do easter stuff which i haven't since being a child haven't done anything for easter like we would get like the chocolate bunny and stuff like the easter bunny would come and visit our family which is terrifying it's either you're very religiously devout to celebrate easter or you have kids yeah because at the end of the day if you're painting eggs and chocolate bunnies it's really kid oriented right there's not much for you as a parent other than either going to church or whatever you're yeah. supposed to do for Easter. Yeah, there aren't any, like like with Christmas, there aren't any like romance Easter songs that you right. can play. Yeah. It, plus, it's like a weird time of the year, and it always shifts. For some reason, Easter isn't on a fixed day. Like, it's it does. Yeah, you never around. know when it's coming, so there's yeah. no consistency with it. And plus, there isn't much as far as like shit to sell to the consumer for easter like christmas is big because you sell a ton of merchandise like you're moving billions of dollars worth of shit on christmas yeah easter eh, 
you know, you can't really market it. Halloween, you're moving a lot of shit, too. Yeah. A lot of latex. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or, or, or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Dude, everything has become a slutty costume at this point. It's so fucking weird. It's great. Yeah, but... It's I mean, the best. It's only the best when the wearer knows that he or she should be wearing it. Right. Go on. It can be a disservice to everyone when you are wearing a sexy nurse uniform when you just aren't fulfilling the sexy part of it. Well, I praise... You're just wearing a nurse uniform that's showing too much. Right. Well, I praise the the, the, the people that uh, are the, the brave uh, men and women that are able to wear the, the sexy costumes when maybe they don't look the the um you know right out of the box kind of what we think of as hot because are you if running you, for political office well if you see <laughs> it's like a champion of the people <laughs> i'm a champion of the uglies out there because you want to have some uglies you want some uglies there because it makes the hot people look even hotter because if you have a room if you walk into a room and it's all hot people right i hate that I hate being in there. Those people suck. I hate looking at them. I'm like, oh, these people all think they're better than me. I hate these hot pieces of shit. But if you walk into a room and it's all ugly people and there's four hot people sprinkled throughout, like, damn, those people are really hot. They must be so cool for hanging out with the peasants. (laughs) So ugly people are peasants now. Well, yeah, we always knew that. But they're essential. We need them. For, for the hot to be accentuated yeah, even more. Because hot isn't hot unless you have the ugly. I got it. Right. Okay. That, that makes sense. Right. Like the richest person, he's only rich because there are poor people. All right. All right. I, I, get, I get the logic behind all of this. It makes complete sense. Yeah. And the poor people need the rich man because he's providing jobs. But he's always a man. And he's a man. Can't be a woman. Well, it could be, but... Should it be? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, he's running for office, boys and girls. Give him 20 more years and he's going to run for president. I think women should have money. Okay. I, I agree. Should should they earn their own money or should it just be given to them? Like uh, a stipend or something? Well, I think uh, if it's given to them, they're earning it. I met a lady who uh, is a professional sugar baby. Go on. Uh, she uh, so rich men... owns rich men date her and they buy her things like two houses. She owns two houses because she's hot and made it work for her. She's she that hot? Yeah, she's yeah. She looks like like uh, influ- you know like like you think of a what a sugar baby would look like, and that's her. You know, and that's her. That's her profession. That's her profession. She puts it down on like a tax form and shit. Yeah, I don't know how if you have to like say that it was all gifted to you yeah. or or if that's it, nuts. like contracted out. Isn't that sweet though? You would do that if you could. I would do that if I could. If I could just be hot and have people give me money. Oh. Um Don't I'm, pretend you're above it. I've never been able to have that thought as a man that is just not in that category of hotness. 
I, I figured it out a long time ago. I was like, I'm not ugly, but I'm not going to be like. You're a good looking guy. I'm not, not Brad Pitt. Like, you know what? I, I can't really turn no, no his one's face Brad. into money. No one's Brad Pitt. Yeah. It's like, it's rare people that are just kind of born like that. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? If you could just like do nothing and skate on life and then just have a happy life doing nothing other than just looking good. Yeah. It seems like not a bad thing. Honestly, like. Because there are people out there that want just want to give hot girls money. They just want to. So why not? And I mean, the, if I was born, why not be the hot girl that's receiving the money? Yeah, man. If I was born a hot girl and there was like no other upward momentum in life, and you're like, they don't even want to sleep with me. Ninety nine percent of the time, they just want to like hang out. All right. right. Fuck it. You're 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 viewing it as like a last resort. I'm viewing it as the best resort. Okay. So you're that's plan A. For <laughs> that's you. plan okay, A. So like, all right. I'm, I'm like <laughs> really. I'm going through that. Like, was my plan A, and I realized like you that it wasn't going to work out. So I had to be funny. But if I could have done that, oh, I absolutely would. To that effect, what drove you to get on stage the first time? <laughs> I uh, so I, I started doing. And uh, when was that? So the first time I was on stage, like a true stage, was in fifth grade. I did uh, comedy. No, I did. Uh, well, I was in a comedy, a comedy musical. I was in this play called Honk. Okay. And I play. It was about the Ugly Duckling. Uh, Musical about the ugly duckling, ugly, 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 <laughs> later discovers that he is beautiful, which is, I guess, a moral of the story is that, like, don't be mean to someone who is ugly, because then later they could be hot, I think is the moral of the ugly duckling story. I'm just trying to figure out why it was a guy in this scenario versus a girl, because the ugly duckling is supposed to turn into a beautiful swan. Yeah, but is, isn't the ugly duckling a man, though? I thought the swan was a woman. Is a swan a woman? I thought I could be completely wrong about this. I don't know enough about these damn birds. Although it, it could have just been like gender neutral before gender neutral was a thing, and they never actually defined boy or girl for the ugly duck that turned into a swan. Yeah, did the ugly duckling even have a name, or did we just call him the ugly duckling? Because that's I thought it was just the ugly duckling. Yeah, that's pretty rude. I have no idea, but okay, then yeah, I guess my own I don't know what why that thought was in my head that the ugly duck was a female i thought he was a guy just because i was in the musical and he was played by a guy probably but maybe they were being they were being gender bendy with it they're like you pick yeah you decide what the duck is yeah but they uh played uh the brother of the ugly duckling who was like very mean to him i was just pretty much had to laugh at him and call him ugly that was like the whole thing and so that was your first time in on stage yeah yeah i'd done uh like some small stuff like at my church like singing in front of the church and stuff like that but was that was that because you brought that up as the first kind of like memory of being on stage did that mm -hmm. kind of like put something in you that said this is what i want to do i don't know in what capacity but i want to be in front of people entertaining so i uh my parents, they always wanted me to do like extracurriculars, so they had me do like a bunch of sports and stuff, and then we learned that sports is not for me because I was very uh, weak and tiny and uh, not good at sports. And uh, All sports? Like, you're tall. I mean, basketball could have been a thing. I didn't become tall till 
uh, high school. Okay. And I'd already given up on the idea that I was ever going to. I, I didn't care about it, so I couldn't uh, put it. But thank you. I am tall. Thank you for saying that. I'm 6'8". Uh, uh, I've been practicing, working on that. Um, just hanging by bars. Just hang, <laughs> hanging by bars, lifts, uh, shoe lifts. Um, so then I uh, did a bunch of different plays at the Kingsport Theater Guild. Shout out. Uh, I did... Uh, uh, I played uh, Tom Sawyer in Tom Sawyer. Nice and Huckleberry Finn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do people? Uh, yeah, you're not. You're not from Texas. I've told uh, some two people from Texas that I played Tom Sawyer, and they said, "What? Who?" They had no idea who I was talking about. Um. So I don't know if it's just them or like the Texas school system. Do they? Is it still required reading in schools? I I mean, it was when we were in California grade school. Okay, yeah, we read it too, and we read the, like the play version of it. Wait, no, we read the book version, and I was in the play version. We read the book version of it. We read the play version of Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. as part of like I think it was middle school or high school English because mm-hmm. it was more complicated and it was to kind of understand the structure of the play versus just reading it as a book. But yeah, it's weird that it's like Tom Sawyer. Everybody should. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's any other book that I would think that every kid that goes through American like grade school would at some point run across it. Yeah. Can you think of anything else that's more like, you know, American as apple pie? I guess in textbooks. No, I think that's it. Yeah. Did they have you guys read uh, The Giver? When you were going through school? No, what's that? I actually they turned it into a film. It was a it's a kind of like a post apocalyptic society where it's like they're kind of in this bubble, not in the real world where everything you're kind of like your birth, you're assigned what you will be forever and everybody accepts this and most of life is black and white because everybody takes this specific pill that kind of shudders all emotion and as part of it you're also shuddering, um, you know, feelings and color is part of feelings and emotions. And every year, a single person, a child is picked to become what is known as the giver, the person that has to hold all of human information and is also outcasted from everyone else because you know so much. And it's it's weird, but it kind of like it's it kind of it was an interesting book and it's an interesting so, movie. Well, but the whole idea is like control systems pretty much right yeah so what happens to the kid after the year it's every year they pick a new kid no it's like uh i guess when the old one is supposed to retire so every year at a certain age those kids that come like to pass puberty or whatever it is they Mm -hmm. are given their job and one child ever so often is picked as like the giver and that child kind of doesn't know and becomes ostracized and outcasted really quickly because like Everybody gets picked except for that one person, and they're like, "What the fuck? You're not getting picked." And like yeah. everything just comes weird for that person from that moment on. But it's a really interesting book and a cool movie. But I was just wondering if like you guys went through that. No, we uh, we read Fahrenheit fifty one four fifty one whatever that yeah, was. Yeah, Fahrenheit four fifty one. We read that too. Yeah, and then we watched the film afterwards. Yeah, um, which is kind of similar theme it sounds like of like uh control systems uh 
kind of uh, questioning the the system around you, uh, not wanting to. Um, it's uh, all kind like of like censorship. falling in line with like the Orwellian kind of you yeah. know uh, post-apocalyptic world mm-hmm. where society is comes to the fringe of uh, you know destruction and out of this comes a fringe group that can save humanity and all they ask in return is like total control. Right. So yeah, it's it's that line of things that you're all like, gee, I wonder if that's actually going to happen. We keep predicting this shit over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, do you think that is uh, going to happen to the to the US? You think we're going to become uh controlled by communists and Bernie's going to be our dictator? No, see people kind of have a misinterpretation of what the future of America is. I don't think we are the ones that become controlled, we become the controller. Oh, okay. So we we become uh like Britain who uh Back in the whenever they're colonizing every single place, when they had their little Union Jack and still have their Union Jack and everything, you think we'll be that? We're not going to colonize. We're not going to have to. Okay. That, that that's all done and over with. I know, but it's kind of be fun to bring that back. Will land takeover? How often that happens? You don't want now? that to happen because you're young enough that you're going to get drafted. Do you really want to go fight? No, I don't think I'll get drafted. What What gives you an exemption? I'll be You're gay a, or something. Whatever I need. They don't give a fuck. They haven't for a while. They're like, you could be as merry as you'd like. You're still going to war. Damn. I'll be... You uh, know why? Because that group of people fought really hard and loud to say, hey, man, we might be gay, but we want the opportunity to die for our country, too. And they're like, okay, fine. Fuck it. Go for it. Right. So you can't... You, Why'd they do that? Because they wanted equal rights, and one of those was the opportunity to be a patriot. Yeah, I mean, women now I can, can understand it. It's like it's women one of the can most get selfless things too. that you fought for. Yeah, you know, you had pretty much everything. You didn't need that one, and you're like, no, 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 fuck it, give us that one too. We'll, we'll go die for this country just like everyone else. You're like, yeah, oh, fine. Well, people now, I'm, I'm, this is what's gonna cancel me. People now don't really die for this country. They, it's all internet shit. I know I'm wrong about this, by the way. I don't know anything. So, um, a lot of men and women did die during the campaigns in Iraq and Afghanistan. I don't think so. And a lot have died in <laughs> Vietnam and Korea, World War II. World War II, yeah, yeah, yeah. Korea and Vietnam. Yeah, Viet- Korea, Vietnam. Of- yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean... I'm talking 2010, 10s, 2020s. Um, I, I don't think that number is going to be large compared to casualties of military... Uh, personnel in based on other countries that were actively engaged in war yeah our number is going to be low which is a good thing but then again you always want that number to be low for your country yeah you never want your country men and women dying yeah well i just know if i get drafted i will not do it i will run i will flee very quickly because i'm scared where are you headed new mexico it's still the country. Oh shit! That's drafting you. They should change their name. That's confusing. Well, you have a whole region of the country called New England, right? Yeah, I could go there. It's still United. Oh, is that still? Yeah. Oh, shit. You're gonna have to go further south, or a lot north. Yeah, I could go uh, Minnesota. Further. Alaska. 
How did you go from Minnesota? To, <laughs> you fucking completely skipped Canada, this entire country. Canada, that's the name of that one. There you go. That's yeah, the place. I tried to think about that as little as possible. But they are kind of slowly becoming, uh, you know, a, a socialist communist republic. So right, I was in Montreal. They have a rule where they they want to preserve their French speaking there. Okay. So uh, because there's uh, just a lot of people that speak english yeah, and the a lot of region, right like, yeah so a lot of tourists are going there so there's like a lot of english less french so then the government's like no we want to preserve the french so they have a rule a law where uh if you go into establishment they uh whenever you're greeted by the people that work there they will say bonjour hi bonjour hi they have to start with french and then they can speak english but the first word that they say has to be french so that's why whenever you walk into an establishment in Montreal, they all say, bonjour, hi, and then they can start. I don't get it. I don't get it either. What's the, what do you, if the people of your country do not want to adopt a language, why are you forcing them to? It's not even their language. Right. It, it never was. Oh, is that right? It's just because the French colonized that region right. of the world I mean, for a they, while. Like the right. indigenous people of Canada. Never spoke French. Right. Well, they never spoke English either. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, at least one language is getting, I don't know, universal adoption throughout the entire country, except for this one area. Yeah. And they're just like, no, 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 fuck it. We, we will be like the French for no reason whatsoever. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, why, why does government have to have that kind of control over something so stupid and mundane? Yeah. And being there, it does feel like everyone's, like, putting on a facade of, like, we are French. I swear. I swear to God, we are French. We're European. We're so European. It's like, no, you're Canadian. Which is fine. Just be Canadian. Just be Canadian. Stop pretending. Americans don't try to pretend they're, like, german or irish or scottish or no we only claim that we only claim that when we're backed into a corner but we proudly always tell them to go fuck themselves too yeah that's like the first thing we say oh yeah the brits fuck you guys we separate you're like yeah but like you guys are best friends what do you mean fuck you guys like it seems like britain got really good deal out of it yeah yeah does canadian taxes go to the to the king probably i wouldn't be surprised yeah I like I I wouldn't be surprised if London is just like pinching a little bit from everybody. Yeah. Still, they're like, look, we don't colonize, but take a little bit off the top. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It makes sense. I think we should we should have like an American king or queen, like one that's purely for aesthetic, like the British king, where we just give them a bunch of money, we give them a castle, be like, this is the face of America, but they don't actually hold any political power um we have that it's called the president (laughs) nice i mean think about it the president really doesn't have all that much power especially in this country there's like system after system that checks the president so they can't just like recklessly do shit right executive orders only go so far like you can't launch a nuke if you felt like it you don't think so no what if he like did it like when no one was looking. You can't. That it just doesn't work. It's like, hey, way. look over there. Like when they do the stupid shit in movies where like two generals come and two keys simultaneously and all that stuff, it may not be all that showboaty, but it does take multiple people to put in multiple sets of codes before you can launch a nuclear bomb. It's not that easy. That's the same shit like when people say, Oh, Putin can launch a nuclear bomb at America, you're like 
probably not. He himself does not have that power just because, like, there's a country there that goes like, we love you, but if you go insane one day, we'd still like to have some sort of checks and balances. Right. But people just don't believe that. They're like, no, 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 he can do it on his own from a cell phone. Like, he's got a special iPhone that'll blow the fucking world up. You're like, no, dude, it's not the way it works. Oh, that would Stop be it. more fun if that was the way it works. Like, he's just, like, drunk at a party. It's like, I swear I can do it. He's like, i show you. Click. Yeah. And like, see, they're gone. He's and trying to impress a lady. You think he still has to? <laughs> Doesn't he just be like, hey, that's it. It's just, hey. I'm look. Putin. Yeah, he's like, look at me. Time Magazine cover. Riding a horse. No shirt on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, he is a pretty... Uh, he used to be like the sim back in like 2010 meme culture. He was like the symbol of like what uh, an ideal like the man is like the most manly man before he was uh, going to war with Ukraine and shit. Yeah, it's funny. He was like a lovable character on the internet. He was seen as this like, oh yeah, it's so funny how manly this guy is. I mean, I've always been infatuated by why these two countries hate each other. Never actually done anything to each other. Seriously, like, historically speaking... What, Russia and U.S.? Yeah. We've, like, we've never, ever done yeah, anything to one another. It's been a lot of... Yeah. It's kind of that. Which is scary. But what it doesn't stem from anything serious. Like, there's serious shit going on in the world, like, currently. You know, there's two states in the, play, in the Middle East fighting for the same piece of land, going, like, this is ours. Like, religiously, it's ours, and... U.S. and Russia never had that problem, ever. Fuck, we bought Alaska from them. They sold it to us? Yep. Oh, nice. Two cents an acre. I think maps, they uh, they really... Because Russia is so much closer than than I think. And also... Uh, it's literally right there next to it. Well, maps are drawn completely wrong, too. Have you seen, like, the correct map sizes if you, like... Right. Africa's way, way bigger than it's drawn on, like... Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. They make it tiny. And then... Russia isn't as massive as they make it out to be. Like, if it was proper proportions, it's still huge. But, like, the continent of Africa is way the fuck bigger than Russia is. But on a map, if you think about it, it's always shown smaller for some reason. South America, too. It's way bigger than it's drawn. Right. And it's like, nobody knows why, but it makes no sense. But, yeah, shit's a lot closer, too. Yeah. Because uh, it all kind of fit together like one big landmass. Yeah. Billions of years ago, I think. Do we put the U.S. Because really the globe or the flat map could start anywhere. So do we put the U.S. in the top right or sorry, the top left? Because we want the U.S. to be the first thing that you see whenever you see the. Because that's how we read things. We read left to right. So we put U.S. top. I've never actually put any thought into as that. A, like uh... an, as a, like an American centric view of the world. I guess if you would look at a map that was maybe drawn in a different country and that country had the ability of starting a map from it because let's say it itself was like a continent size kind of a place. Let's say Australia. If Australia decided to draw a world map, would it do it where Australia would be at the like the top left? Yeah. Because it is a globe after all. You can flatten it at any point mm -hmm. and you wouldn't be wrong mm -hmm. or turn it upside down yeah and you could put australia in the top left but i know that we have a land a latitude and longitude line and we have the equator which is kind of like the middle of earth some i guess if you did flatten it out if you did go based on i guess 
zero degree by zero degree being your start point and then flatten from there, would that make the U.S. on the top left automatically? No, no, we got to get a globe in here. <laughs> Next hotel room, I'll get a bigger one, I promise. Thank you. That'll have a globe in there. Thank you. I will put it on my to-do list. Thank I, you. Yeah, I apologize. This is, uh, I, I know you're not used to these types of accommodations. Yeah, you're very unprepared uh, for this. Well, I didn't know world geography was going to happen. I should have I should have done my homework. Did uh, you uh, meet your wife in LA? I did, yeah. Well, oh. we met final semester of college, actually. Wow. Just randomly. Where did you go to school? A uh, university called Woodbury. It's a small college in Burbank, California. Okay. Did you go to college? Yeah, I went to University of Tennessee. Okay, what did you study? Studied advertising. What was the plan? What did, was there like a goal in mind post college, or was comedy already kind of like in your head? Uh, so it was always a comedy was a hobby. So I started stand up in college, and so from uh, fifth grade you do your stage debut. It's not until you get to college where you do your first open mic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I did improv in college, and then I met a bunch of stand-up comics in Knoxville uh, through that, and then uh, went to like comedy shows, saw them, and I was like, oh, this looks like a lot of fun. I always knew in the back of my head like stand-up was like something that I wanted to do, but never actually saw it as like, never knew there was a way to do it. I didn't know about like open mics were a thing, really, you know, because I'd only seen stand-up through stand-up specials. So seeing it at, you know, in theaters, I was like, I'll never be able to do that. I could just couldn't visualize it. And then I saw them doing an open mic and I was like, oh, I could see myself doing this. And then did my first one. And I loved it. And then How'd it go, the first open mic, uh, probably, probably horrible. But I remember it uh, I pro- in my head. I was like, oh, I crushed that. I crushed that so good. But in reality, probably not that great. Do you have a video of it somewhere? No, I wish. Ah. I know. Because you can go back and be like, I wonder how I actually did. Yeah. I have some videos of me like early, like in my first year uh, that are uh, around. And those are really hard to watch because I'm just so green. I'm like, oh, why did why did I ever think I could do this if that's what I was? But I loved it so much. And then uh, it wasn't until I moved here that comedy became like a full-time thing been full-time at it for the last two years okay yeah so you did the improv thing in college was that Mm -hmm. did do you still enjoy improv or it wasn't kind of like the now now i've uh i've seen the light improv is gay um that's there i feel like there's always been like a feud between stand-up and improv and whenever i was doing improv i'd have stand-up friends that were like this improv is gay i was like no you don't understand you don't understand what we're doing up there and now i'm completely on the other side where stand-up is the only true form of comedy and improv and that's what i'm running on for my campaign that's your platform yeah well uh improv is gay yeah it's all about stand-up comedy yeah um, improv is a great way to make uh, friends. Uh, in terms of a career, it's just not really possible to have a stand or an improv career. Yeah, I, I'm, there's no path. I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, unless you do SNL or whose line is it, anyways? Sure, yeah. But like that cast hasn't be, changed in 20 years. Yeah, it's yeah. Like the same. Be one people. of five guys, or you'd be like uh, Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz, where you get famous 
on your own right and then go on an improv tour together. It's so limited, though. I mean, mm-hmm. like the in living colors of the day back in the day don't exist anymore. Right. I remember, remember there's a guy you used to do the whitest kids you know. Mm-hmm. Is that still around? No, I think that guy died. Oh shit! Seriously? Damn, that's fucked up. Uh, but that was, I I don't think you can do any of that stuff anymore. I don't think it'll like it doesn't work anymore. You can't really do a Chappelle show again. So I don't see like improv doesn't have a career path. You're right. Yeah, you just go into, like, comedy acting, really. Yeah, but... Or you just do it for fun. Comedians are better comedy actors, usually. It's funnier. Stand-ups? Yeah. Like, their stuff translates better, usually. No, not for acting. I disagree, so I think improv comedians are way better actors than stand-ups. You think so? Yeah. I don't know, I'm thinking about, like... So, Jim Carrey, was he improv or was he stand-up? It's a good... Probably, yeah, I know he did stand-up. I know, uh, yeah, no, I he, he did, did improv, too. He did both, that. yeah. I know Eddie Murphy was straight stand-up and then comedy movies. Yeah, okay. Actually, maybe you got a point there. Robin Williams? I know I've seen him do stand-up comedy, but I don't know mm-hmm. if he's done any improv. Oh, he was for sure improv. He was so improv. Jamie Foxx? All of these guys are improv in my head, even as on like comedy on stage. It's not yeah. like a stand-up set in the normal sense. Very lively characters on stage. Bob Odenkirk, improv. Uh, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. Improv, right? Improv. So it's kind of like 50-50 maybe? Yeah. But I think, I, I do think, like you see the people that, um, they're like comedy actors and then they go in to do stand-up. And yeah. That doesn't always it's, translate, it's, though. Yeah. The reverse effect is pretty good, where it's mm-hmm. like a comedian that transitions into film. Mm-hmm. Almost always, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw, did you see The the Machine, Burt Kreischer's new movie? <laughs> yeah. Really funny shit, dude. I oh, my was, God. I hated that movie. Really? Did you hate it? I thought it was one of the worst comedy movies of all time. Oh, no. Maybe man. one of the worst movies ever. I thought it was so funny because it went back to like the old school kind of like comedy shit, where it was like... Not a lot of brain power is required. It's just funny. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think a lot of brain power went into making that movie. It didn't have to, though. Like, I didn't think thing. a lot. Of, there was much thought behind that movie. I wasn't at expecting all. it to. That was the point. Like, I didn't need, like, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't going into that movie expecting a tearjerker or, like, no, a not lot at all. But I did flow. go in expecting it to make me laugh. Did it make you laugh? No. Well, and not the way that it needed to. It's like uh, seeing a kid fall down. That like how that's funny. But I, I think it was meant to be that type of funny. It, like, or it's like seeing uh, like a car crash. How that's funny. Depending um, on the car crash. Or or like you see like your friend on stage bombing, and that's funny. But yeah. it's only funny to you. Yeah, that kind of funny. Oh, okay. It what it wasn't meant to be. I don't know. Um, Do you remember like the end of Vine, like that that kind of comedy where uh, it was uh, a big like fifty percent of Vine videos were about like how uh, you like buy a new pair of Jordans and you're scared to get them uh, scuffed up or wet, and there's like all the crazy things that they would do to not to get their Jordans wet, and then there's like sound effects where you like hit someone on the head and went like bong like that type of uh content slapstick humor uh yes uh yeah slapstick humor 
that's how I would describe the way the way that those videos made me feel is the same way that Burt Kreischer's The Machine made me feel. Hmm. It's like I f- have lost hope for this person's comedic talent. <laughs> is how I felt during the movie, during his movie. As a stand-up, I'm sure he's great. All right, so I guess... <laughs> but the movie is ass. Because you're looking at it through uh, a very jaded lens because you're a comedian. You, you, yes. you're, very, you're privy to a very different universe. Think of it that way. But if you look at it through the lens of what I looked at, it was like, would the general population find this funny? And I was like, Fuck Well, I think, yeah. the, I think the general population it. agreed with me, though, right? I don't know. A lot of people went and it saw bombed. the movie. It bombed in the box office. Did it really? It bombed so hard. Oh no shit! I thought it did pretty well. No, it know. bombed. It bombed horribly. <laughs> <laughs> no one liked it. <laughs> I can't. I can't verify any of this information. So I don't know. I'm just gonna go based off of what you said. Oh man, that made me sad. No, okay, I'm sorry. So I guess I'm in a, a fringe of people that found a lighthearted comedy. I was like, all right, this is fine. Yeah. This is funny. I knew what I was going in for though. Like, yeah. You know, like. I had a great time watching it because I went with other comedians and we were all la- we were all laughing together. The movie made me laugh. There you go. See, and it brought you together. And it brought me together. I had a great time watching Burt Kreischer's The Machine. That's a fucking hallmark moment right there. Yeah, yeah. You can put it on the card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your movie wasn't great, but I had a great time watching it. This <laughs> is <laughs> so fucked up. <laughs> All right. Well, my bad for bringing it up. So, no, I'm what glad do you that like as far as comedy movies? What is a comedy movie of I don't know last twenty years? Let's say that you thought was good. It's weird. It's funny? weird because it is. I I agree that it like I do miss like the old school of comedy, and I wish that the machine did that. I wish it brought back. Was super like bad I, something that you thought was funny? Yeah, I love super bad. Okay. Loved uh, Step Brothers. Uh, Talladega Loved Nights. Talladega Nights, The Hangover. Yes. Talladega Nights was like that was like I watched that as a kid all Anchorman. the time. Anchorman, yeah. All of those movies are phenomenal and classics. Shit, I'll even put Forty Year Old Virgin into that list of. Oh shit. yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hot Hot Rod was my favorite. Hot Rod. Hot Rod. Oh, yeah, the, Andy Samberg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Bill Hader. Uh, Danny McBride. It's like all of their like first one of my big favorites roles. was uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. It was uh, not like that Michael funny, Sarah funny, movie, but it was like uh, it had a lot of funny moments in there. Yeah, like, is that in like the same kind of camp as like Juno, like same genre? I would probably put it in there. Like it was meant to be kind of like an emo love romance mm-hmm. kind of a thing, and it was funny at the same. Like I don't know yeah. if it was intentionally funny, but it just became funny to watch. Mm-hmm. That's why I love that movie because it's like unintentionally funny. Yeah. Like fistful of assholes is still the funniest thing in the world. The the bin the band name that they came up with. Oh, that's that good. They were gonna call it the fistful of assholes, <laughs> or some stupid thing like that. But I don't know. It was just like it was stupid funny. You know, yeah. like you didn't have to think about it too much. Yeah. Um. And then we went through this period of just like really bad funny movies, where it was just like they were trying stuff, and it was almost like they were just cut and pasting the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, yeah, yeah, is that around the same time as like when all the like because they had the scary the original scary movies, and then yeah. then there's all those like the superhero movie. Uh, there's like that three hundred uh, spoof, like all those spoof movies. Uh, yeah, they lost me there completely. Yeah, I was never into those 
Um, I thought like the first scary movie was kind of funny, mm-hmm. but I again, I was just like, you you lost me after you keep just kind of regurgitating the same thing over and over again. Right. Yeah. The, the first. So I watched the first scary movie I watched was Scary Movie 3. And when I saw that, I thought it was the funniest thing I had ever seen in my entire life. It was uh, beautiful. And like whenever the aliens come and they're pissing out of their finger, I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen as a kid. Um, And then I think like anything that kind of... uh, uh, It's like a new um, thing that takes over then there's worse versions of it that come out. So then those spoof movies just got worse and worse. Yeah, and then we went into superhero movies for like two decades. Mm -hmm. It just never ended. Yeah, and now those are like, those are are funny, but not really. They're not funny at all. Look, I I love my superhero movies. They're Mm -hmm. fun to watch. It's fantasy. It's cool, whatever. But like, we went through two decades of almost no good movies because that was just like the predominant thing they were throwing money at. Yeah. It was that or it was just like really sad shit to watch because <laughs> they needed Oscar buzzes for something. Mm-hmm. Always like 14 people dying from cancer in a coal mine. Mm-hmm. There's a movie about it now. You're like, okay, great. Yay. Yeah. This is what I want on my Friday. I don't know. Um, but that's why I kind of like the machine gave me hope. I was like, oh, maybe we're going back to funny movies again. Maybe they're they're like gonna let you know new filmmakers try shit and yeah we'll get some funny out of it i don't know it'd be good yeah yeah i i it seems like the funniest tv shows i've like newest one that i've seen and is succession and that's like a really dark comedy is it meant to be a comedy yeah i think like yeah kind of i, I kind, haven't kind, watched the show i know kind. it's like everybody like there are some it. really funny moments in it Okay. Like, it's kind of uh, insane like a comedy. It's treated like a drama, which I think makes the, like, funny parts even funnier. But, yeah, what's the, like, what's the, like, The Office of now? Like, the funniest. I hated The Office, by the way. Yeah? Yeah, I couldn't watch it. Neither the British one or the American one. When did you try to watch it? How old were you? So, when it first came out in America, I tried to watch it. Couldn't get into it. And then maybe like five years ago, I was like, I'll try to give this another shot. I don't know what streaming service had it laying around. And I was like, I can't do this. This is like the most boring fucking thing in the world. Yeah. And I think it was just because I couldn't relate to it in any way. I was like, this is just not my world at all. Yeah. I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why? Why Why would people just do this? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I I didn't get the appeal of that show at all. Did yeah. you like it? Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it as a kid. And uh, my family, my brother, uh, he watched it. So I got to watch it whenever he was watching it. So I really enjoyed it then. So how um, many siblings do you have? I'm the youngest of four. Okay. All yeah. brothers? Two brothers, one sister. Okay. And yeah. you're the youngest in the bunch. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm the little baby of the McCrary baby. I'm the only blonde... I'm the skinniest. I'm the skinny, skinny king of the McCrary clan. So you're the only one that's pursuing something in like the creative arts. Yep, my brother's an architect. Other brother's an engineer. My sister, she's going uh, school right now to get her doctorate. Really? And so, yeah, what and is the, her field of study? Uh, she has her BS in uh, nursing, 
Okay. Um, so I don't know the exact degree, but it's going to be medical. Uh, probably nurse practitioner. If, yes. If that's the upward moment. Yes, I think that towards. I think that is correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's what she's becoming is a nurse practitioner. Yes, that is correct. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, has she been practicing already as a nurse? Yeah, or? she's been a nurse uh, for the last seven years or longer. Okay. Do you, uh, what is her kind of area of focus? Uh, she, well, she's a travel nurse, so I am not sure if she's like in a sp- specific, I think it might just be like whatever is available. It kind of depends on the company that she's contracted out with and the hospital system they work with. If they're, let's say, just ER staffing, all they'll staff is ER nurses. But there are others that'll staff whole hospitals just for general purpose. So, yeah, she might end up in neonatal. She might end up in the ICU, whatever they need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My my sister-in-law is in the the NICU. Okay. She works with little babies. Premature babies. Yeah, they came out too soon. Why'd you come just stay in there a little bit longer? They Would get, have been. They nice. just get too excited. They come out to the world a little too early. Some of the nicest people you'll ever meet are like NICU nurses or mm-hmm. uh, labor and delivery nurses, because mm-hmm. they have to like deal with a lot. Yeah, they also are the they go the hardest too when partying. Really? Yeah, when they have like a night off. Like, nurses and servers go the hardest, I think. Well, servers, I think that's just kind of, like, built in. Yeah. Servers kind of just go hard most nights because they're, like... Like, same with comedy. You're around alcohol. So it's very very convenient to be drinking. And Also, one part of it, maybe it's, like, you're serving people who are enjoying an evening Mm -hmm. that you want to be able to enjoy one day. Yeah, you're around uh people on their their little vacations or their days off so their date they're in or a, whatever it yeah. is and you're just kind of like Fuck. they're having fun yeah and at the end of it you're like you know what i just need to forget this day existed just keep drinking right it's, yeah it's the best medicine and then nurses they work so hard they work like 12 hour shifts and then working nights and then they have their day off and they're like i'm going I'm doing everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Like nurses that work in hospitals, praise those people. They're they're working nonstop all yeah. day. It, it's a thankless job, seriously. No, like nobody really understands how fragile the healthcare system really is. Yeah. Like without the nurses, we're all fucked. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because like doctors are very integral, but like nurses are what keep people alive. People just don't understand that shit. They're like. Go to a hospital. Trust me, you're not going to see doctors. You're going to see a lot of fucking nurses keeping mm-hmm. you alive. Mm-hmm. So praise those people. Um, no, I have a lot of family that are nurses. My mom's a nurse. My cousin is a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends that are RNs, and I've been in the healthcare industry for almost a decade now. So oh, that's nice. kind of why I know things. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't randomly just Google shit. Yeah. Although I do that too. So your uh, sister's getting her doctorate. Brother's an architect, other brother's an engineer. Mm-hmm. Do they work together? No, they uh, uh, none of them work together. My uh, two brothers, they both live in Tennessee. One's in Nashville, one's in Knoxville. My sister, she is uh, based in Salt Lake, but she 
takes travel nursing jobs everywhere. I think she's, she might be in like Portland right now. Okay. Yeah. But she's kind of all over. So when you're in college uh, and you're doing advertising, but you were always thinking stage is where you want to be. Comedy is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And what was the idea of get the advertising degree? And if it doesn't pan out, what would, what would you have done? Did you have a backup plan or you're just like, I just got to get this done? Uh, so the main plan was to work in advertising. Okay. Yeah. Cause I didn't even think comedy could be an option. I didn't know that you could actually make money from it unless you were famous. Um, so it was always to go work at an advertising agency and I did an internship at an advertising agency and I was like, this work-life balance is horrible. They just expect so much of you. And I was like, I don't care about enough about having you know just having a job sucks making someone else's money doing stuff on not your own time is uh just horrible and i always knew that i hated it but i didn't know that i could actually not have one and live it's a lot harder though like the stability of a job and kind of after 5 p.m. when you're no longer there, you don't care what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's different from, it's it's all in your hands. You know, you you have, you're the master of your own destiny and it's not really a clear destiny. You can kind of figure out how to do it. It's way more fun though. I bet. Yeah. But how did it come about that you started to figure out the system of like, oh, I can actually kind of like make money at this. And how did you figure out writing jokes? Oh, those are two completely different questions pick one okay because we'll get to both of them because they're both interesting to know um yeah so i uh just started running a show here in town and uh just as a way to get stage time as a way to just have a thing so Um, for people that don't know what that is what does it mean to run a show uh so you're uh dealing with the venue booking the venue you're booking the comedians uh yeah, just all of the logistics of a show. Uh, you're marketing it. You're getting butts and seats, getting people there. Um, so everything involved with the behind the scenes of how a show gets created is what I'm doing. Uh, so I ran one show, and I was like, oh, it could actually like uh, make some money doing this. And then... Uh, just started doing it more. I was like, oh, you can actually make some good money doing this. Just more and more and just kind of built and grew. And I was like, oh, I didn't know I could do this. I didn't know this is an option at all. Uh, did you like kind of stumble into it or heard about kind it? Of. And you were like, kind oh, of. shit, I could do this. Kind of stumbled into it. Just kind of like, because I was doing it because it was fun. It was very fun to do. Very fun to put it all together. And then it happened to make me money. Um, so, so now it's like a fun byproduct and mm-hmm. you're like, Oh shit, there's a, a revenue stream in this. Yeah, exactly. So how many shows do you run now? Uh, or has just your one show. Expanded? So like th- this month I was looking at it. I have like eight shows coming for November. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's too much. I'm going to have to cut some out or something. And it's all booked, like all the venues and stuff, you know exactly where it's going to be and all mm-hmm. the artists and everything. Uh, yeah, the artists I, uh, usually do like week of, okay. um, depending on who's in town. Um, but yeah, all the venues, tickets and stuff. Yeah. Main course comedy. 
It's all there, maincoursecomedy.com. That's where you advertise your stuff from or promote your stuff from? Yeah, that's uh, just the website where I have the list of all the all the upcoming shows. Okay, very cool. So you run eight shows in just a month of November. That's a lot of time. I mean, you're busy. And in all mm-hmm. those shows, you're on the stage also, right? Mm-hmm. As a run, yeah, a when show. I'm in town. If I'm out of town, I'll have someone else run it. Okay, so that's also an option. You can still mm-hmm. have a show that you're running, but someone else will kind of like host it and MC the evening. Is mm-hmm. that how it works? Yeah. Ain't that a bitch? Mm-hmm. I'm always fascinated because like every comedian that I get a chance to talk to has found some way of like either surviving or thriving kind of like to, you know, avoid a regular job at all costs. Yeah. It's like one of those things. Or the regular job really kind of has a schedule that works well for comedy and they can actually do road gigs and be able to work on their craft. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Now the second question. How did you find your style of writing comedy? Uh, I'm still looking for it, so I can't really answer that question. Whatever my style is, I'm still searching because uh, I've heard it takes a while. Like 10 years is whenever you just like get like settled into your style, your own version of comedy. Um, you really think it's going to take 10 years? I'm getting closer. I think uh, like being here is I'm able to find it a lot quicker than if I lived in other cities. How many years into it are you now? Five. Five years in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, in this. Uh, yeah, so, yep, five years. And definitely Austin's helped you kind of like accelerate it. Yeah, for sure. If I hadn't moved to Austin, I would be doing something completely different. You don't think you'd be in comedy? Maybe not. No shit. Yeah. So in Tennessee, you were kind of like losing hope a little? No, it wasn't losing hope. Like, I moved to Austin with like. I just want to be around. I always knew I wanted to be around comedy, but then I just kind of stumbled into making money doing it. So now you're like, so I'd, I would around. still, for sure, wherever I was, be doing comedy, but I don't think I would be doing it full time. And I definitely wouldn't be in, uh, have given all the opportunities that I've gotten. Okay. If That's I was fair. somewhere else. So five years into it, but you still don't think you found your voice? Because I mean, I've seen uh, I'm getting you closer. perform multiple times now, and mm-hmm. I've seen your your brand of comedy is very, very unique. Oh, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, there is no other Lucas out there doing what you do. Like that fucking. I don't want to ruin it by saying it, but like, wouldn't close your eyes bit where you make the person imagine and you go through the whole thing, dude. It's so fucking hilarious to see. Oh, thank you. It's the funniest shit in the world, dude. Thank you. And it's like. It's not the regular brand of comedy that you're used to because it's not like just set up punchline, set up punchline. There's a lot of meticulous thought that's gone into like an entire routine that has audience participation with it. Yeah, I love the that. That's been one of the things of uh, like in the last year, I've just been a lot more comfortable involving the audience in a uh, just what makes it a lot more fun for me, honestly. It seems um, like it. It seems like you're having a great time when you're on stage. Like, yeah, sometimes I have to fake it, but yeah. Okay, well, you're good at faking it if you ever have, but no, it seems like you're genuinely enjoying the, like, the, the ride, the experience. Thank you. Yeah, most of the time I uh, am. Whenever I get to go and I'm like truly like, this is like so much fun, that's when, I'm, that's when I feel like I'm in the pocket if I'm having fun. I still don't know what that means. But. It's like you're in your bag. You're in, it's like the best, the best way you could be performing. Okay. 
it's like you're in your like musicians use that term too like a guitar players really in in the pocket for the show like they're just hitting every single every single note every single thing was perfect nothing nothing off it's like the new version of you're not off key i guess right something to that effect yeah that makes sense okay where you're just hitting it's like a like everything is hitting and you're in like a you're feeling comfortable too and what got you there what what do you think it is that in like the last year, you know, messing with the crowd and kind of being more comfortable in your own skin on stage, has something changed that kind of gave you that confidence? Uh, well, just doing it more and more, just doing it more and more. Yeah. So how how does a joke come to you, or or a bit, or you know, like you know, I, I don't know. It's do it all every every time a joke comes or create it's different every single time which is one of the most frustrating things there's no way to just sit down and be like okay i'm gonna come up with five jokes so like no maybe maybe this week i'll have two jokes that come to me and then it'll be two months before i have new ideas for something that comes to me so it's a very frustrating uh process um so i can't really give a like, clear I guess they- definition of how I come up with it because every single time it's different. Sometimes it's like, like new experiences help a lot doing something just out of my comfort zone. Anything recent that you've done out of your comfort zone? Uh, like went to, uh, I went to a, like a gun range and now I have like a bit on stage about, uh, shooting a gun. Was that in, when you were in Vegas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think you were, fuck, I want to say, I remember you working that one out on stage in Vegas. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I do remember that. Yep. Yeah. So that came from being because we went to this ridiculous gun range in Vegas where they had like all of these uh, like Call of Duty guns. Yeah, like fully automatic. You can shoot whatever mm-hmm. you want. They're all like, tricked out and stuff, right? She literally asked us. She's like, "What video games do you play? <laughs> like, what do you want to shoot?" What'd you end up shooting? Um. I shot a Tommy gun with the drum barrel. What video games are you playing? <laughs> I just wanted to be like a maf- mafioso, but I couldn't. Sh- they wouldn't let me shoot it like this, like cigar. I had to hold it up. Like oh that. yeah, because they wouldn't. It let could me. spray everywhere. Yeah, want to do like one of these? Yeah. Have you ever shot before, or was that your first time? I'd shot. Because uh, I mean, you grew up in Tennessee, right? Like. Should be like Texas growing yeah, up. Yeah, I'd shot it like a couple times before, but nothing like that fully automatic. But you ever go hunting and stuff as a kid? No, never went hunting. Uh, went to like 4-H camp, shot some shotguns. What's a 4-H camp? It's uh, a camp where you go. It's like if uh, the Boy Scouts had like overnight camping. Mm. It's kind of like that. And you go and learn like wilderness stuff. You go and... But wait, the Boy Scouts do have overnight camping. Like a, I'm like a camp. Do they have like a campground? So like we did camping for my kids for the Cub Scout troop mm-hmm. uh, a couple of months ago, and we were in, we went to a, a national park in Oklahoma, and they just rented like a ton of uh, spaces. Oh, okay. So we had like most of the lakefront to ourselves for the Cub Scout troop. Oh, nice. Uh, but yeah, we were there for two nights. Oh, okay, I think these are like I I just went with my. Uh, school, so we just so went no for parents, like two it was nights. Just like you guys, no parents. Yeah. Okay, so this is like parental involvement. I was with my kids. Oh, okay. We set up tents and the whole thing. Yeah. So like, got it. 
That sounds fun though. Yeah. You shot shotguns and stuff. Shot shotguns, yeah. And I've done the uh, the disc thing. Where you... Oh, pull. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. A, that's fun too. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I want to do that with a Tommy gun. That would be. I don't think that's a big deal. There's a ton of people that have private land in Texas that have firing ranges on their land. Oh, that'd be sick. Oh, dude, yeah, that's that's a big deal here in Texas. Because if you have the proper acreage, you can do whatever the fuck you want on your yeah. land. Yeah, that's sick. Nobody can tell you anything. I like I like hunting. It sounds fun, but most of the good hunting is on private land in Texas. So the the bit that you started in Vegas after shooting the gun has it evolved at all? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I d- uh, don't want to give uh, too much away. Don't give but... any of it away, actually, because it's too good. I saw the oh, inception great. of it in Vegas, and it's been what, almost a month since Skankfest. Yeah. So I'm sure, like, if you've been continuing to work it out on stage. You will like I, I it's easy to see that progression because I go to like clubs in Dallas once a week. So the mm-hmm. regulars I know from over there, I know their shit by heart at this point. And yeah. I see like, oh, two words less this time. And like that yeah, word's yeah, completely yeah. changed. And it's funnier this way. So I, I know it's evolved and I know it's gotten yeah. better if you're still using it. Yep. It's different if you're like, yeah, I did it in Vegas, but it didn't really translate. So it's on the back burner or something. Like, all right, fuck it. Tell everybody. Yeah. 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 It's uh it's been a fun one to mess around with. Yeah. I mean, guns are one of those interesting things where I, it translates to a lot of audiences, especially in this region of the country. I wonder what the coasts are going to feel about it. Yeah. Cause it's a, uh, can be pretty political too. Yeah. It's polarizing where uh-huh. here, most people just take it as a joke. doesn't matter what side of the argument you fall on and they'll just kind of let it go. But mm-hmm. over there, they'll, They'll turn it into their, you know, their new mission. All right. Let's try to figure this one out because you said you haven't pinpointed how ideas come to you and it's frustrating sometimes. Uh-huh. Vegas, you do the gun shooting. Uh-huh. Is, how much after that does the idea actually come to you that this could be funny? That that day. And just out yeah. of the blue, nothing, just it just happens? I'm wondering if we can yeah. figure out a way to make it less frustrating for you. I, don't, I think it just has to be frustrating. That's your process. Yeah. It's just frustration because whenever then, an idea does come, it feels like you like discovered like a something beautiful. And then you just write it down and start working on it, or is it in your head kind of formula? I'll write down a like a little note sometimes, but I have to do, do, like do it on stage immediately to see if it works. And then if there's some little bit about it that I that either I like, feel like could work, or gets a really good reaction, then I'll build on it. Got it. Yeah, so okay. it starts as a little, little tiny, little tiny nugget, and then gets bigger and bigger. Perfect. I've tried the other way, where it's like I throw like a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of stuff. At. Like I have like pretty much like if I have no idea, and then I just write and do like five minutes of just talking to the crowd and see what comes of that. That doesn't really work for me, like it can for other people. I more have to have an idea and then try it out and then build on that. Okay. So the reverse just doesn't work for you. It has to have something there. Usually, and yeah. Yeah. I think that might be the more genuine way of it happening. Because there's something in your head. So like there's something already that you're bringing forth. And yeah. You're just kind of figuring out where it's going to fall. Yeah. Um, how does it feel um, working within a comedy club now? Has that kind of helped or changed your uh, your style of comedy, or you know, finding your voice better? So being the like surrounded by comedians all the time. 
Yeah, well, the nice thing is it keeps me in the scene. Like, I have a just a much better uh, hold on, like, what is that? Because I have, like, the all the door guys, we all uh, chat and hang out, so I just am more better updated on what's happening in the scene. And for those that don't know, Comedy Mothership, all the door people, or pretty much all the staff are comedians, right? The, yeah, all the door people. Yeah. All the door people, at least, are comedians. Mm-hmm. So you guys kind of like have a community within the community together. Yeah. And it's I, I've also heard that like you're allowed to any time, clock out, go do a spot, come back, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, which kind of gives you the ability as an artist to work and kind of work, hone your craft more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, the, like the, the, the best thing from it for me are these uh which i'm uh uh was telling you about them about to go do is the uh the mothership mics where we all the door people get five minutes on and uh we are encouraged to do new stuff on it and to not be afraid to fail so like a what you're about to go and do a spot show like that Mm -hmm. does it also entail kind of like season vets that are going to be popping on sometimes or is it just the door people yeah so you'll get uh so it starts with an open mic for an hour like a true open mic uh and then the door people they go for like an hour hour and a half depending on how many of us are there we all do five minutes and then it goes to the um to the regulars of the club okay who all do 10 minutes so like Derek poston is on uh tyra vera uh dylan sullivan all of those guys and then um Anywhere between the door guys and the uh, regulars or when the, if there's a big comedian that wants to go on, that's where they'll pop in at. Okay. So it's also a good kind of way to learn on mm-hmm. the job where, cause you get to see, you know, so many people in different parts of the comedy journey and you're like, oh, okay, cool. I can learn yeah. from that and do it from there. Yep. Um, so how much time do you have solid? that you've kind of got on, you know, like comedians work on their, you know, solid five, 10, 30, an hour. Right. Like, is there solid, uh, one minute, I think. <laughs> Come on. No, it's gotta be way past that. Uh, that's been the thing that I've been working on, uh, just doing more, trying to do more headlining stuff. Uh, so I feel confident, very confident doing 30 that I can be entertaining for, 30 uh, i've done 45 and that is uh stretching a little bit like i'm like all right i'm gonna take this one a little bit slower mm-hmm. um but yeah it's just a slow like i did my first 45 a month ago um and uh it went very good uh but it was it was like okay i need to do this a lot more because it is does feel weird doing that it's like oh this is a lot of time to be in front of these people it's just whenever it's a new thing it's like any whenever i first moved to austin i was like okay i can i feel comfortable doing four minutes or literally four minutes and that was like okay if i need to do good for four minutes for this this the only amount of time that i can do good is for four minutes and then slowly built from that Whenever I like first got on Secret Show when it was at Vulcan, he was like, "All right, you're gonna do." I was like, I was like really nervous to do ten minutes. I was really worried about it. How did that happen? Getting on the Secret Show for the first time? It was from Kill Tony. 
Was that your first appearance? Uh-huh. From there, you got invited to do... Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool. Mm-hmm. And then, so how was it doing the, the secret show? You were saying it was kind of like... Yeah, it was, that was like my first big break in Austin. Because uh, um, that was back when there... Uh, that was like the show to be on. That was like the number one show in town at when Vulcan was like the number one venue, or like the hottest venue. Um, yeah, so it was like big break. Uh, was able to uh, just get noticed by more peop- more bookers in town and get on better shows and stuff. So it was like a snowball effect. So Kiltonia and the Secret Show kind of like opened a lot of doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> So you do that, and then you just kind of like started working on being more 10 minutes and 15 and 20s and mm-hmm. 30s. Why I ask is like, obviously the natural progression is at some point, do you want to put out a special? Uh, Yeah, for sure. At some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just curious. Like, I do. How yeah. far do you think you are in your progression? of? I think there? Put, putting out a special is a bit down the road. Because the, the concept of it has changed significantly in recent years where comedians are able to put out specials without it needing needing to be like very large budget things that it used to be for netflix and hulu mm-hmm. and stuff and i kind of like now i'm curious because most comedians before would be like well i mean come on that's really far down the line you know there's so much da da that's involved in it now comedians are like yeah five or six years into it i can probably put out a special yeah and i'm wondering what your thoughts are on that it's like cool or maybe hold off is the better thought uh yeah for right now i'm uh my focus is just to like build a fan base and also i don't i'm not prolific enough to like put out an hour right now and then have another hour ready to perform you know so it's going to be a minute before i do anything like that yeah that's the other thing right you have to retire the work the material as soon as you put out the special Mm because people don't want to hear the whole same old stuff right I didn't think about that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of fucking yeah. shit to do. So it'll be a minute before I put out a special, but be on the lookout. Yeah. And on that note, I don't want you to miss out on your spot. And I really Thank appreciate you. you sitting down for this conversation. Um, if you're ever in Dallas and you want to sit down for a part two, always welcome. Fuck it. Uh, this was awesome. I had fun talking to you. And I think we didn't even scratch the surface of Lucas. We had a lot to get to know about you. Absolutely. So I appreciate this. Thank you again. I appreciate you.